Welcome to the Healthful Woman Podcast, the fastest growing podcast in women's health. Today's Monday, May 30th, 2022, Memorial Day. I'm joined today by Bridget Travinsky, who's going to tell the story of her birth, which was complicated by HELP syndrome. As a reminder, we recently decided to include birth stories in this podcast, and we'd love to hear yours. If you would like to share your birth story, you can reach out to me through the website or email me at hw at healthfulwoman.com, or the old birth story email still works, hrbs at highriskbirthstories.com. For now, enjoy today's podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a great Memorial Day. See you next week. Welcome to today's episode of Healthful Woman, a podcast designed to explore topics in women's health at all stages of life. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Fox an OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist practicing in New York City. At Helpful Woman, I speak with leaders in the field to help you learn more about women's health, pregnancy, and wellness. Bridget, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for asking. So thank you for volunteering to tell your birth story. I appreciate it. How did you come about our podcast? So when my daughter was in the NICU, I had found you and it was kind of nice to hear actual medical terminology and hear some, you know, uplifting stories sometimes. Wow. And then what compelled you to share your own birth story? Honestly, I think, you know, for awareness for others, we had some things happen in our pregnancy journey that at times I wish I would have spoken up more or louder just to maybe try to have things be prevented and maybe not have gotten as bad as they got. And then I think the second part is just like others have said before that I've heard, you know, therapy, honestly, it's a little <laughs> bit of um, therapy for myself in all honesty. We're happy to provide that for you if we can in any capacity. And where are you calling from or where am I calling you? I guess I should say. Yeah. So we're in Morgantown, West Virginia. Are you born and raised West Virginia or is this somewhere you moved to? No, we're both um, born and raised here. He is from Morgantown originally, and I'm from a town about 45 minutes away, Mannington. So when we got married, we moved to Morgantown. Wow, that's pretty cool. We're talking about the birth of your daughter, Laurel, right? Mm -hmm, correct. And when was she born? She was born June 8th, 2021. Wow. All right. So she's she's a youngin. She's almost, almost one. Almost one, yeah. And so take us back to, I guess... Uh, 2020. So we're we're in the the heart of the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So first of all, did you expect to get pregnant in the middle of a pandemic, or is it just like, well, we're home? What else are we going to do? Yeah. So my husband and I we got married um, June of 2019. You know, we did the basic, got married, bought the house, got the dog during a pandemic. <laughs> in between there, we're like, okay, you know, it's, it's time. It's time we can we can start trying. And um, you know, we had the conversation. We're in a pandemic. Do we really want to go about this? But Ultimately, it was like, no, you know, everything will be okay. The world's still happening. So a little bit different at the time, but definitely, definitely don't regret that. And do you guys both come from large families? Like was having kids something that you thought, you know, we're definitely doing this, you know, pretty soon after you got married? Yeah, we both knew that we wanted kids. He has twin older sisters and I have one older sister. So not big families, but mm -hmm. we both knew that we, we always wanted kids. We didn't want to wait too, too long after we were married. We wanted to start trying. Right. And now- Coming into pregnancy, I just know because, you know, we were emailing before, you had some uh, health issues coming into pregnancy, correct? I did. So when I was in college, um, I found through an exercise physiology course that I was in where I had high blood pressure, really didn't, you know, have any symptoms or anything when I was young that I really noticed. But we were taking it, we were, you know, practicing on each other. And somebody said, oh, I think yours is kind of high. 
So the teacher came over and he's like, yeah, this is really high. Like, you know, you really should look into this. So, <laughs> oh, my God, that was <laughs> just in college. Oh, my God, that must be terrifying. It was. It was, you know, went to the normal doctor and, you know, got hooked up with a cardiologist. And he spent a lot of a lot of time, a lot of tests and, you know, wore a heart rate monitor for a little bit and really couldn't figure anything out except that, you know, he thought maybe it was just genetic. Other people in my family had had it. So he just kind of chalked it up at that. Got me started on hydrochlorothiazide and lisinopril. Mm -hmm. And once we figured out the dosage of what my body needed, it was controlled and honestly had never bothered me since. Just uh -huh. take the medicine every day. Uh -huh. And then you said it does high blood pressure, hypertension. It runs in your family? It does, yeah. And in fact, the women in my family typically get it after childbirth, mm. but mine was found before. So yeah, it's, it's, it's very strange. And now- since you knew you had this and you were on a medication and you were thinking about a pregnancy, is this something that you spoke about with your cardiologist before you got pregnant, with your OBGYN before you got pregnant, all the above, none of the above? So the cardiologist actually had, we weren't really doing annual meetups anymore. We had gotten to the point where he just basically said, at the time when you do become pregnant, you need to speak with your primary to get switched to something safe. So basically, that's all I knew. So literally the day I found out, I called, had an appointment the next day, and she'd already had me switch to labetalol. Mm -hmm. It took a week or two after I was pregnant to figure out the dosage with that. Mm -hmm. But then once she figured that out, I was fine. And again, she was uh, a primary medical doctor or your OBGYN? She was primary medical doctor. So I hadn't, um, when I called the OB's office, they said they typically don't see you until week 10. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay. And then when you saw the OBGYNs, did you have any um, expectation that you would see like a high risk practice or were they comfortable taking care of women in hypertension? Like what was the setup for your, for your prenatal care? Right. So my, I guess a little bit of background, my sister, she had preeclampsia with her son. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that was kind of in the back of my mind that, okay, maybe, you know, this could be something because I already have high blood pressure. And I had wondered going into that first appointment, you know, are they going to be comfortable with this or are they, are they going to refer me to somebody? And they didn't at the first appointment. They thought that they had taken my blood pressure there. They were asking me because I was taking it at home and monitoring it before I came in. It had been fine. And they thought that they could adequately monitor me. Mm -hmm. The only thing that they did say was at the very first appointment, actually, that their thinking was that they would probably induce me around 38 weeks mm -hmm. um, if I hadn't already gone to labor mm -hmm. just because it'd be safer for both of us. But other than that, it was, you know, they weren't, they didn't really seem too concerned. And then did they change any parts of your prenatal care? Like, did they put you, you're obviously on your medication. Do they have you taken extra vitamins or a baby aspirin or have extra ultrasounds or anything like that? Or was it your impression that they did that? Sometimes you don't even know, right? What's normal and what's not. So it's hard to say. Sure. So Nothing at the beginning was different. Nothing really changed until I ended up getting COVID mm. um, at week. Yeah, at week 15. Mm -hmm. So the first appointment I saw them at week 10, everything was normal. They didn't say to take anything extra. When I got COVID on week 15, that's when we started the baby aspirin. So I don't know. I mean, I've never been pregnant before. I don't know if that was going to be a normal routine thing to eventually start me on that anyways. But I know they were really concerned with COVID and blood clots in pregnancy. So yeah, I don't know if that's a normal thing or that they were already going to do or if it was just because COVID presented. And I guess this was still in 2020, correct? Correct. So this is yeah. this was pre-vaccine? 
Yeah, there yeah, there there was talk that it was going to be, you know, something coming out, but um nothing was out yet. When you got the when you got COVID, were you very sick with it or just sort of like, oh, I got a cold, I tested positive, kind of annoying, I got to quarantine for a week? Like wh- which way was it? It was a little bit of a cold at the beginning and then it turned into just extreme body aches. And my husband he got it as well. His was more of a straight cold. He was done in two days. Mine was just like my back just hurt so bad. It just hurt even to lay down. Mm. Um, but after about a week, I felt normal again. And it was, you know, I honestly felt fine. But yeah, a little bit of a cold at the beginning, but more body aches and mm. fatigue. Okay, but you didn't have to be hospitalized or anything like that? No, I did not. No. Okay. All right. So so you got the COVID, you're on the baby aspirin. And then how did things uh, progress from there? Yeah, so we get the COVID and, you know, everything was going fine. You know, we were having our just normal checkups. We did the genetic testing, um, found out she was a girl, and we're having our normal ultrasounds, of course, because of COVID. Luke couldn't come to a lot of those. Um, so it's just, you know, me on my own, but everything was normal still. So I, you know, felt comfortable and I was fine. At my week 25 appointments. So I had met at this practice, there's multiple OBs and you kind of rotate through them. I don't know if that's normal or not. Mm-hmm. Frequently, yeah. Okay. So, so you know, I, I find one that I haven't had yet. And he said that they'd done the ultrasound earlier that day and she's kind of measuring petitely. Nothing that he was crazily concerned about, but he said, I've gone back through your records with us. Your blood pressure has never been elevated while you've been with us pregnant. And he just kind of wondered if he could get me off the medication, the blood pressure medication, if that would help not restrict her growth because she was already measuring petitely. And actually, my husband was able, thankfully, to go to this appointment with me. So he, we both kind of were like, really? Like, we just can come off of it. And he said, you know, sometimes our bodies change. Pregnancy said, so, yeah, you've never been elevated. And I mean, thinking back now, I wish I would have asked more questions when he brings all this up. But, you know, I'm looking at him as the doctor and, you know, he knows more than I do, obviously. And he's, you know, I'd just like to try to get you off of it. Right, right. What would you, do you know what your, do you know what your dose was at the time? I'm just curious. Was it a lot? Is it a high dose or a small dose? It wasn't super high. I'm not exactly sure what it was at the time, but I think it was just like a normal, I, you know, there wasn't, it wasn't anything crazy. Right. And were your blood pressures like running kind of normal or were they running on the low side? No, they were actually normal. They weren't, they weren't low. It's actually not an unreasonable sort of premise at the time that, you know, we used, and when I say used to, I mean, there was like a study that came out like two weeks ago, but basically like up until now, and for many places still now, you really wouldn't treat high blood pressure unless it sort of got to a more dangerous range, like a severe range, like 160 over 105. And and the thought was that the medications might affect the baby's growth um, negatively. That if you're sort of decreasing blood pressure to the uterus, you're going to like decrease nutrients and the baby's, you know, isn't going to grow so well. And so it actually, it's, it, it's not that uncommon that even if the baby wasn't measuring small to sort of take someone like you who has kind of a mild, stable, high, you know, hypertension and in pregnancy sort of reduce your medication and see how it goes and then maybe go back on it. So I can see what he was thinking that like, hey, like sometimes we do this anyways, maybe let's try it and see if it helps the baby grow. So I don't think it was a crazy idea, you know, to to try that per se at the time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it worked or didn't work or whatever, if it had anything to do with what happened to you, but it, it it's not that far out of left field is what I'm saying. 
and it wasn't anything either that I thought like about asking, like, do we wean off? You know, is it just something he basically just said, cause I take it every night before bed. He said, you know, tonight don't take it. Yeah. You know, you have your at home cuff, just monitor it. Obviously if you start to see or feel differently, you know, immediately call us. So we were pretty excited actually, cause I kept thinking, well, this is great. You know, maybe I, maybe my body has changed and I don't need to be on it and she won't be restricted. And, you know, we were excited thinking back now, I'm like, oh gosh, you know, I was kind of optimistic. I don't, I should have asked more questions, but yeah. So that night I didn't take it, you know, went to bed, didn't feel any differently around 3 AM. I woke up with a lot of bleeding. Whoa. Yeah. A lot, a lot of bleeding. And I knew, you know, obviously they, they tell you a little bit of bleeding's okay, you know, but this was, this was more than I was comfortable with. I woke my husband up. He's like, yeah, I think we should call. Mm-hmm. So he called um, like the after hours number, got the OB on call, who happened to be the very first doctor I saw ever at the practice. He was like, yeah, you know, it might be something that, that we need to look at. I, I don't really don't want you just to, you know, lay back down. Why don't you meet me at the ER? So we're like, okay. And. And that was scary, you know, obviously bleeding, you think, yeah, obviously not good things, especially, and I'm, you know, pretty early still. Right. Was your blood pressure very high? No, it was normal at the time. Like when I took it at home, mm-hmm. I was okay. Yeah. So wow. that even really wasn't going through my head either. But then we get to the ER, you know, they hook me up, you know, I don't really have the big of a belly yet. So they're like awkwardly trying to get like the monitor on to find her, found her. She sounded great. They check my blood pressure and it is like stroke level, apparently. Wow. And they kept asking, like, do you feel okay? And I said, I feel fine. And she said, you don't have any headaches. You sure? You sure? You sure feel okay? <laughs> She's like, you sure? I'm like, I, I, I know what a blood pressure headache feels like. You know, it's that awkward, like, just got to like pop your head type feeling. I said, I'm not having that. I have no floaters. She said, can you see straight? I said, I am absolutely fine, except this bleeding so they were you know really concerned with that he of course he comes in my husband and I explained to him what the doctor you know literally (laughs) just the evening before had told us and he he was a little little upset he was like you know the reason it was controlled and why we had you on it is because you know the medicine was doing the job he's like obviously your body needs this so they started the blood pressure medicine back through IV I believe and with the bleeding everything they sent me to do an ultrasound and he did an exam and he found a blood clot on my cervix probably above yeah maybe a little okay and he said something about like the way she was positioned thought maybe she was like rubbing on it a little bit is why i was really noticing the bleeding but that the placenta was in good position and everything else seemed fine so i mean that was positive that was you know good better news than what i thought we were going to get that night to be honest said everything looked good he just wanted us basically to do a modified bed rest. So he sent us home, said modified bed rest and to do a follow-up appointment just so they could check that clot again to make sure, you know, was it changing size? Was it moving? They wanted to, you know, kind of watch over it. Okay. He kept saying, you know, I think it will resolve itself. I think, you know, you're just, you're noticing it again because of where her, her head is positioned. I'm just curious, in your, in your headspace now, are you thinking... This all happened because I didn't take my medication once. Hundred and ten percent. Which and and who knows, you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not saying one way or another. Maybe yes, maybe no. There's no way to know. It would be unusual to miss one dose of a labetalol and to have that happen. But I don't know. I mean, you know, it did happen the same day. It's hard to say. And I think it's, you know, it's interesting because 
listen, I'm I'm a maternal field medicine specialist. So of course, I'm I'm biased in these things, but it doesn't have to be an MFM. But it just seems it's it's one of these situations where, especially when you know, and we have this in our own practice. It's a group practice. You have a lot of different doctors. It's it's one of these situations where you know, when someone walks into pregnancy with a condition or with a unique circumstance or whatever it is, to have some sort of like sit down, you you and you know the doctor or whoever it might be, and like, right, this is going to be our plan, right? This is what we're doing. And you sort of map it out. You like write it out. We're going to do this medication. We're going to do this at this week, this at this week. You know, what is our goal blood pressure going to be for your medication? So everyone's on the same page. And then you, then you don't get sort of like, oh, he's doing this and she's doing that. And that person's doing this because whether it actually leads to better outcomes, I don't know, maybe yes, maybe no. I would like to think yes, but maybe not. But just from your own mind, you know, had you sort of entered into the whole pregnancy with a plan saying, right, these are our blood pressure parameters, right? I'm going to take medication if it's above this, and I'm not going to take it if it's below this. And then you're not going to have that sort of feeling in your head that something was done sort of haphazard and it caused all these problems. Again, whether it's whether it's actually the way it happened or not. And I, I just think that, you know, it's one of these situations. That's why I asked, you know, did, did you meet with someone of this? Because just to have a plan in place, I think gives people a lot of comfort that there's like a roadmap for how this is going to play out. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that would have given me so much peace of mind because I just felt like, you know, every different person I saw and I get it, you know, you want to rotate, you want to be familiar, you know, you never know who would be on call for delivery. But it it seemed like one person had an idea of what was supposed to happen in my pregnancy. And then I would see the other one and it was, it's almost like they almost had a different route in their mind. And I would have just liked a nice cohesive plan. Yeah. (laughs) So I could have just felt like, okay, you know, we're all on the same page. We all don't understand what's going on because I just felt you know, I just felt a little bit like everything was up in the air. Yeah. I mean, and it's not it's not an MFM thing versus an OBGYN thing because you don't have to be an MFM to know how to manage blood pressure and pregnancy. Not at all. It's one of these things. And again, it's tough because, you know, I practice in a group practice and we're a big group and we have the same challenges because we're we're all different people and we're different personalities and we have different tolerance for risk. And, you know, that's normal amongst doctors to have variation in this but we have to practice together. We have to take care of the same set of patients. So either you have to make a decision. All right, I see this patient, you see this patient, you see this patient. We do it the whole way, the whole pregnancy and just, you know, we sort of split it up at delivery, which is okay. That's one model. Or to sort of say, we have to get on the same page somehow. We have to just decide as a group what we're doing either in general or for each particular patient. And that's hard. It takes a lot of coordination to do that. And it's it's something we struggle with. I and mean, we try our very, very best to do it. And hopefully we succeed most of the time, but it's not always easy to do, but you sort of get caught in the middle of that. And it, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. So you, you're, you're home, you're modified bed rest, and he thought everything was going to resolve. How did it go? So we went to the follow-up that was, I don't know, maybe a few days later. And the ultrasound tech did the ultrasound, she said everything looked good. And the clot appeared to be smaller. So that was promising and everybody was happy with that. And it was like, okay, you know, my husband, and I kind of took a breath, like, all right, that's, that's it. You know, we'll stay on the medication. They're going to monitor us really closely. Everything's going to be fine. And they took, you know, took my blood pressure that day in the office and it was fine and normal. I've been taking it at home and it was fine. So they wanted to see me again in a week. They could keep monitoring that clot. So we went home and everything seemed normal. A few days before the next appointment, I started having what I thought was like a trapped gas pain, like in my upper right abdomen. Oh, that's a bad place to have pain. 
Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I did not know that. I, I just, I, you know, right. I don't know. Naive me was just like, oh, gosh, like, what did I eat? What happened? Right. Uh, upper right abdomen and, and in the middle of your head. Those are two bad yeah. places to have with, with, with a high blood pressure. Okay. So, you know, my husband, I'm like, I don't know, I got this pain. He's like, all right, you know, maybe you just got a little bit trapped gas. So here we are, you know, not doing full on yoga, but like, you know, trying to do like the cat pose. He's like, maybe that'll get things moving. You know, what can we do here? And of course that didn't help. And I was, you know, maybe taking like some Tums or something thinking like, okay, maybe I just, you know, have really bad like heartburn. Like I couldn't figure out, I couldn't pinpoint. And it never really had, other than describing that it felt like trapped gas. That's the only thing that I had to reference it to but nothing else. Mm-hmm. Did you go to the Google or anything like that? No, not yet. I All did right. not. I, I, which I don't know if that would have helped or not. I, I mean, no, I'm not, rec- I'm not re- recommending it as a, as a source of information in this circumstance. I'm just curious. A lot of people say, I went to Google and they said, yeah, you know, you have a broken rib or, you know, whatever they, they, they you know, Google misdiagnosed me, which happens. Google, Google sometimes not so good with these things. Right. Yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't Google, but the pain was getting like increasingly worse. And like over the next couple of days, I mean, it was kind of starting to, to move like to around my side to the back. And, you know, he was trying to like rub my back thinking like, I don't know, like maybe again, trap gas. I don't know. Um, I'm like, listen, we're not getting any relief. And he kept saying, you know, do you want to call them? You know, but I mean, nothing else was happening. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. nothing else is going on. I felt fine other than that. And I kept thinking, well, I have an appointment on Friday. Maybe I'll just wait. And he had had enough of it. He was like, absolutely not. You're calling. Something seems wrong. Like you, this is not normal. I mean, I couldn't sleep. Like I, I just couldn't get relief at all. Um, I did just wait for the Friday appointment. Ah, so even, even though, even though Luke said you're calling, you're like, I am, yes. I am overruling you. I'm not calling. Yes. Correct. I'm Sorry. pregnant. I was like, I'm not calling. Good for you. Yeah. All right. Listen, I, I do like, I do like that. Um, the, the, the persistence. I think that's cool. I was like, I'm, you know, I'm okay. Yeah. Well, listen, how, I went, I mean, what, what would you know? I mean, you're like, it's, it's not like, you know, you don't have a high fever. You're not, your blood pressure is not crazy. You're not bleeding. Like you're like, I'm having pain in my right. Like I can wait, you know, what's a, what's a big deal. You know, like, I'm not going to call cause I'm having some pain. Like, yeah, exactly. I, I hear you. And that, that's a normal sort of response, you know, from people like, oh, I'll just wait till Friday. What's a big deal. It's all cool. Right. Yeah. So I went Friday it was, you know, the ultrasound first. And I, you know, I mentioned to her and she was like, yeah, you know, maybe, you know, mention that to the nurse, mention that to the doctor. So I get in the regular room and I, I tell the nurse and she's like, oh yeah, that can happen with pregnancy. I tell the doctor when she comes in, she's like, yeah, you know, everybody just kind of kept brushing it off as trap gas can happen with pregnancy. Trap gas can happen with pregnancy. Mm-hmm. To the point where I almost started to get embarrassed to bring it up because in my head it was like, if you can't handle this trapped gas pain, how in the world are you going to handle, <laughs> you know, labor? Yeah. Thinking back now, obviously, if you don't yeah, yeah. obviously trapped gas, but. And your blood pressure was good, right? Still good? It was still fine. Okay. It was still fine. They would check it and everything was fine. Yeah. So went home. Then a couple of days after that appointment is when it really got bad. And he was like, no, I am overriding you yeah. this time. You will call. So we called and at first, you know, you just get the nurse on the nurse station and she was like, well, have you tried? Yeah. Like some Mylanta, have you tried like anything? And I'm like, I, I don't know. So she said, Maalox may give you some relief. So Luke runs down the road before he goes to work, grabs some, drops it off. He's like, I got to go drink this. Let me know how you feel. Mm-hmm. So I swig it down and she calls me back from the OB office. She's like, listen, I'm going through your chart more. 
I see you have the blood clot already. I've already consulted the doctor. We don't feel comfortable with you being at home. We want you to go to the ER. Yeah. And she didn't sound like, you know, like anything was dire. No, just to be cautious. Just to, just to double check. Better safe than sorry. It's the right call. Nine yeah. out, and nine out of 10 times, nothing's going on. Absolutely. And I, and I even thought that, but you know, it's all right. I'll send an email or two and I'll go. So, you know, I get dressed. Um, we had the little dog and at the time he couldn't stay at home very well by himself. So I packed the dog up, dropped the dog off at doggy daycare and I go to the ER. And I didn't call Luke because I, or I, I told him I was going to the ER, but I didn't say like, hey, meet me there because I didn't know what was going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. I honestly thought, eh, they'll, they'll hook me up. Maybe they'll give me something for pain and I'll be home. Mm-hmm. So the ER had already been called by the office, knew that I was coming in. Um, the ER doctor, he looked at me and he said, you know, this is kind of out of my realm. I'd like to call labor and delivery down to look at you. Um, just with you being, you know, you're early, you're 27 weeks. You're having a lot of pain and your blood pressure is extremely high. Oh, it was extremely high at that point. Yeah. Oh, at okay. the ER, yes. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, it had been fine at home. Then I, you know, the pain got really bad. Every time you go to the ER, your your blood pressure is high. And at home, it's right. fine. I'm like, maybe it's, maybe it's you guys. <laughs> yeah. What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> really stressing you, me out. People are freaking me out over here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, and, you know, they kept fumbling with it. Like one nurse would come in, try to get the cuff. And she's like, ah, oh, this one's too big. It's not reading right. <laughs> this one's too small. This somebody, one's too big. Yeah. 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 It's like, we can't get this right. You know, and the, every single one of them that kept coming in, it was like, that can't be right. There's no way that's right. All right. Are you sure you feel okay other than your pain there? <laughs> the same question. Are you sure you don't have a headache? <laughs> right. Again, I'm just sitting there like, I don't know. I just have this stomach pain. Like nothing's working. So a labor and delivery nurse comes down. Immediately she walks in and she's like, oh my gosh, I don't know what they're doing with your blood pressure because there's no way this is right. So she takes it herself being Willie and she very calmly said, I'd like you to call your husband. We're going upstairs because I think we're going to deliver you today. And I just, I had no idea what was even happening. <laughs> I mean, didn't expect in a million years that that's what she was going to say. And I was, you know, I'm confused because I'm like, oh, I'm not even near close to ready. You know what I mean? Nothing in my head said, oh, you're going to go today and have a baby. Mm-hmm. So I called Luke and I, it's fuzzy. I don't even know. I think I just told him, I think they're going to take the baby today. And he's like, what? You know, what are you talking about? This, you just went in for like some stomach pain. I'm not sure what's going on. What was it that she thought you'd be delivered as opposed to getting admitted, getting magnesium, getting steroids, like all the things that you would typically do if it's related to high blood pressure? I am not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. No one really, she didn't really say, because I thought like, oh, okay, we'll go upstairs. Maybe they'll just watch me for a day or two. You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Him on, like real uh-huh. bed rest maybe. Um, but no, she kind of just made it. She was real calm. So I, maybe she was just, I don't know, maybe just making sure that my husband would get there. I'm, right. not, I'm not exactly sure. Thankfully, he happened to be, he's a real estate appraiser. So he happened to be doing a home inspection down the road. So he's really close. He got there pretty fast. And from there, once he got there, I mean, the doctor came in and she, you know, everybody was kind of moving around me, but not talking to me. So we, you know, a little confusion. And then she just finally said, um, she has something called help syndrome and the only cure is delivery. And I really, I had not, I'd heard of the term before. Um, I actually had a coworker's sister who had it recently at that time, but I really wasn't like familiar with what actually, you know, was happening or, or what was going on with my body. And she said, 
you know, at this hospital, we don't have a NICU, um, but the hospital across town has a NICU. So I'd like to transfer you possible. They're going to want to meet with you. And then we'd make a plan or they would make a plan right. and, and deliver you. Had they drawn blood work on you in the emergency room? Is that how they made the diagnosis? Yeah. Yeah. They did all the blood work. I think my blood platelet count was like 14,000. Oh God. Yeah. That is pretty bad. All right. Yeah. I had the, the protein in the urine. My blood pressure was just like extremely high. So she's explaining kind of, you know, how we're going to transport me, mm -hmm. what the plan would be. And uh, the nurse interrupted her and said, you know, baby's heart rate just dropped. Oh, God. And she said, OK, yeah. So she's like, OK, give her a second. Let her see if she can recover. And she gave her a moment and she dropped again. And she said that she didn't feel comfortable transporting, that she would just call a code and deliver me here. And I, and I assume because your playlist said it put you to sleep for that C-section. They did. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, yeah. And everything from there, I mean, was really fuzzy. I mean, I just remember, I mean, there were a lot of people in the room. You know, they, they take me away. My husband doesn't get to come with me. They're putting me to sleep. And it's just a very, wow, very odd, odd experience. I mean, it's not what either of us expected. We didn't even get to talk. I mean, they literally just grabbed the bag or the bed and just took me out of the room. So I don't, it was. They're figuring they're saving your daughter's life and, and right. probably your life too. Tell me about waking up from that, right? Because you, you have this whole whirlwind, but then they knock you out. You're, so you're asleep. You don't know what's going right. on during the operation. All you, you know, the next thing that you're going to have is a memory of waking up somewhere. So where'd you wake up like that you remember? I woke up back in that same labor and delivery room. Like you never went anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's almost like I didn't even leave. Wow. They started the magnesium and it was really, I did not take well to it. I could barely like open my eyes. I feel like I just couldn't like focus. My body felt like heavy and just fatigued. I could hear, you know, Luke saying, you know, if you look over, there's Laurel. And uh, sure enough, you know, in this this crazy plastic box and mm -hmm. she's, you know, in a bag. And I can't even make out. I mean, it sounds horrible, but like I couldn't even make out that there was like a baby in there. You yeah, know, it was, yeah. it was I mean, the they're pretty. She, how, how big was she when she was born? A couple pounds? She was uh, one pound, 15 ounces. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're small. Yeah. So small. I assume they were going to transport her and you to the other hospital at this point, right? So they were definitely going to transport her, but they did not transport me. You were separate? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so they, oh no. they took her over. Yeah. I got, you know, we got like a minute or two and Luke videoed it because I really don't, I didn't, re I, I don't remember too much of it. Mm -hmm. So thankfully, you know, he's videoing it and taking pictures. So they, they took her across town and I stayed, um, which, you know, not the most ideal situation. I would have rather been. And, you know, obviously in the same hospital would have been right. simpler on him, you know, because he's going back and forth now right. uh, to visit us. So it was it was very, very strange. <laughs> How long did you have to stay in the hospital after delivery? So I had her on a Tuesday and I was discharged on a Saturday. But um, before I was discharged, like the day after delivery, um, I'm starting to feel better and like, they they said, okay, you know, we're going to get you up out of the bed today. We're going to take a shower. We're going to feel like a person again. I said, okay, like, this is great. You know, like, let's feel normal again. Um, so, like, they take my catheter out. I get a shower. And as soon as we're done with the shower, I realize I can't breathe very well. Like, it was hard for me to get, like, a full breath. And I thought, like, you know, am I having, like, a panic attack? Like, is this anxiety? So, they walk me back and put me in bed and I said, I think I'm having a panic attack. Like I can't breathe. So, you know, the nurse comes in, 
bunch of other people come in and they're thinking um, I had pulmonary edema. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they took me and got some scans. And they started me on, was it diuretics? Yeah, some sort of diuretic. Yeah. Yeah. They were correct. It was, it was, it was pulmonary edema. Is that correct? It was. Yeah. Okay. It was pulmonary edema. All right, that's so, the, better, listen, better than a blood clot. Cause that's the other thing it could have been. And pulmonary edema is much easier to treat than, you know, from the, cause it's a short term thing versus getting right. a blood yeah, clot. That's what she was, yes. The one nurse was like, you know, this is, this is the best case scenario. You know, we just need to treat this so it can, you know, resolve after that happened. I woke up, you know, the next morning and thought, okay, now I feel human. Like I feel normal. I can keep my eyes open. I can breathe. So yeah. Yeah, no, listen, based on how sick you were, Tuesday to go home on Saturday is pretty good. That's four days, you know, and because you were, I mean, you were really sick. And so that's, that's, that's pretty awesome for you. Yeah, we kept thinking, I mean, I just kept, I was kind of persistent, like, you know, when I want to leave, I want to be out of here, yeah. I want to go see her. And they were like, you're really sick, you need to stay here. And, yeah, um, you know, he's like, as long as you're monitoring everything, you feel okay, I'll release you on Saturday. So. I mean, thankfully, nothing else bad happened. And how long was Laurel in the NICU? She was in the NICU for 86 days. 86 days. So that's like just just under three months. Yeah. 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 She almost went home on her due date, but she she failed her car seat test. (laughs) She couldn't drive yet. Yeah. (laughs) She couldn't drive yet. (laughs) So she she failed. They wanted to hold her for that day and see if she could try again the next day. And um, so next day she passed and they sent us home, thankfully. Wow. Yeah. And- How's she doing now? She's doing great now. So she, they had found that she had um, elevated TSH and uh-huh. IQ. So um, she came home on a thyroid medication. Uh-huh. Um, so we'll be on that for like year three of life, I think he said. Uh-huh. So we came home on thyroid. We did not come home on oxygen. Wow. So, yeah. And she, I mean, we see her cardiologist and he said everything's been great. Um, she did develop ROP. Uh-huh. In the eye, so she had to have the Avastin injections, uh-huh. and that has since resolved. And he thinks we're past the point. He doesn't think, you know, that anything would come back. Right. ROP is a retina- retinopathy of prematurity. It's a. Uh, it's um, just for our listeners. It's a eye. It's an eye issue that uh, premature babies. I mean, anyone can get it, but it's, it's of prematurity. I mean, it's much more common premature babies to have that. If she was born in June, right? When was she due? I guess it must have been uh, September. Yeah, she was due September 1st. Right. So we're recording this in April. So even though she's, you know, whatever it is, she's uh, 10 months old, she's really seven months corrected. Correct. Yeah. Something like that. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Wow. What what was it like coming home with her? Stressful. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. Beca- yeah. Because, I mean, because she's been under like, like intense surveillance for 90 days and now it's just you guys? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, and they would say you know, don't look at the monitors because, you know, every time you'd start, you could see her trending down you know, cause there for a while. It was, it was kind of touch and go. And there were nights where she was having a lot of, you know, she'd have a spell, they called them, and they'd have to, like, give her some stimulation to kind of remind her to breathe. Um, and pulling that monitor off of her, I mean, and then coming home, just being like, okay, here you go. You know, it's like, well, how do I know if she's breathing? You know, like, how do I know she's okay? So, you know, that was, that was stressful. Right. That's why and, they do the car know, seat test. Yeah, they do the car seat test. I mean, and we had, um, thank God my, my coworkers, they had bought us a, an outlet. And I, I mean, I know that's not the best, best medical practice, but it was something that gave us peace of mind a little bit, um, in the night. So, 
yeah, it was, it was stressful. And, and, and we were worried, obviously, just her lungs still. She was still so small. She came home, I think, a little over six pounds. And with the pandemic and everything, it was like we were just so scared for her to get sick and have to take her back there. You know, we were just so scared. Wow. Wow. Well, look, looking back on all this now, I mean, it's, it's not a year out, but it's, it's several months out. What, what do you think about all this, you know, when you look back on it now that you're telling your story? It's amazing what a baby can do outside of the womb. You know, I, I, I didn't know that. I didn't realize, and I was probably naive. I mean, I didn't realize babies born that young could thrive and do so well. Um, so it's definitely a, you know, teaching moment for me, that's for sure. But she, she's just, she's surpassed, you know, everything. She's doing exactly what, you know, a seven-month adjusted baby should be doing. She's hitting those milestones, and it's, it's miraculous to watch, literally watch a miracle happen in a plastic incubator. It's incredible. Wow. And what about your, your own experience that how, you know, suddenly you're, you're so sick, right? You go from basically thinking you got a little bit of a, you know, whatever, like some gas pain to, you know, you and your baby could die if we don't do this right away. How do you process that? Yeah, it took me a while. I mean, I, I still think I'm working through, you know, some things and there's the therapy and the work being done. So I think just mentally, it's it's kind of an odd feeling to think that, you know, life was that, that close to being taken away. You know what I mean? I mean, they, I think they had said, had I waited a couple more days, you know, she wouldn't have made it. And if I'd waited a few more days than that, then I, you know, wouldn't have made it either. So, you know, just to think like mentally, wow, I, I just, I don't even, it's hard to process still at this, at this time. Yeah, no, I hear you. That's a, uh, that's some tough stuff to, to sort through, as you said. And um, it does take time. It really interesting. And, and what is it when you said at the beginning that one of the reasons you want to tell your stories is, is the therapeutic aspect, but the other was, you know, for people to hear your story and to take something away from it, other than what you said about sort of like the miracle of what can be done with premature babies and how well they can do with good care, what else would you like people to take away from your from your incredible story? Advocate for yourself. You know, when you're pregnant, you're not only advocating for yourself, you're advocating for your baby. And I wish I would have spoke up more. I wish I would have spoke up louder, you know, and trusted my body a little bit more to know that something was wrong. And and who knows? I mean, I, don't, I think about sometimes maybe if I would spoken up, maybe it could have been caught sooner. Maybe it could have been prevented. And, and I know through therapy, I've done the work. I know it's not my fault. You know, I know I didn't do anything wrong, but I still, still wish that I wouldn't have kind of let them brush me off. You know, when I was in the office that day, I wish I would have said like, listen, I am in extreme pain here. You know, I need, I need some help. And I think, you know, just trust your body and know the signs. I think people think, you know, pregnancy, everything's just like, oh, you're fine. Your body will know what to do. And, and I don't think my body has ever been so unsure of what to do as when I was pregnant. I mean, it, my body, I just didn't handle it well, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just think sometimes if we all just kind of, you know, kept that in the back of our minds that, you know, things can happen and we need to be be vocal when when something's wrong it can, can prevent prevent a lot of things amazing great lessons Bridget thank you so much for volunteering to tell your story uh, obviously a little scary uh, to hear and scary at the time obviously but I'm really glad 
that you're doing well. And of course, that Laurel's doing well, uh, even though she was born so prematurely and that she's thriving. And that's just, it's really awesome to hear. And, you know, sometimes these stories are both therapeutic, but also they're hard to tell because they bring up a lot of memories, obviously. Uh, and I really appreciate it because I do think uh, it's important for people to hear these stories. And thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's definitely, like I said, been therapeutic and I'm glad I got to share my story. Thank you for listening to the Healthful Woman podcast. To learn more about our podcast, please visit our website at www.healthfulwoman.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-F-U-L-W-O-M-A-N.com. If you have any questions about this podcast or any other topic you would like us to address, please feel free to email us at hw at healthfulwoman.com. Have a great day. The information discussed in Healthful Woman is intended for educational uses only. It does not replace medical care from your physician. Healthful Woman is meant to expand your knowledge of women's health and does not replace ongoing care from your regular physician or gynecologist. We encourage you to speak with your doctor about specific diagnoses and treatment options for an effective treatment plan. Paid sponsors of the podcast are not involved in the creation of the podcast or any of the content. Support for our sponsors should not be interpreted as medical advice from the podcast, the host, or the guests.